And so, and that's just an example of how we sort of fill in the blank with our culture. We've got to be really careful to not do that because we miss so much of the beauty of what Scripture is calling us to. Welcome to the Wrestling with Faith podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tolliver. Join me as we go on a search for deeper faith and deeper community. It's Hannah. Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling with Faith. Today, we dive into community in Eastern and Western societies with Michael Burns. So grab a Bible and a notebook and let's dive in. Peter chapter 2 verse 4 As you came to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ back for another episode of Wrestling with Faith season three. Yay. My name is Joshua and I'm joined as always by Hannah and Tacho. How are you guys doing? Doing good. I feel, well, good. <laughs> yeah, we've, let, uh, we've recovered from like the 10 plagues oh of Israel, it feels like. Yeah, you, you sound like you've lost your voice. Yeah, yeah. I did not take up smoking. This is just recovering <laughs> from illness. Um, no, all four of us were sick last week. Both mm. girls have ear infections. Eden broke her collarbone. Tacho's losing vision in one eye. Oh my we're, gosh. Yeah. We're kind of going crazy over here. I think yeah. there's a a curse on our household or Seriously. something. But other than that, no leprosy uh, other, outbreaks. Other than, yeah, yeah, no leprosy. Ringo did throw up though. So, oh um, no, yeah. I mean, it's been a, it's been an interesting past week or so. But yeah, I think this week is starting off on a better note. So I'm, I'm hopeful for the week and and month to come. So yeah, excited to be almost halfway done with the series now oh, yeah, and it's wow. been a lot of fun. It's definitely brought a lot of perspective and um, just excitement in my own heart about community and how we can continue to explore this concept together. Yeah, this is, what is it, episode five? Five or six, yeah. I lose count. I think mm-hmm. last week with, with uh, Michelle Carrillo is just really helpful for me to understand the idea that we need to deepen our spiritual direction yeah. and not just, not never just be okay that, okay, I'm, I'm not going to self-examine. How can we grow? What mm-hmm. can we do to be more in step with the spirit? We need to continue our community growing towards this idea that we're, we're a community based on the words of the spirit, mm-hmm. listening to him, living our life based on the gospel and Jesus. So I thought, I thought that was a really cool, cool, deep dive mm-hmm. into this idea of spiritual direction. Um, That's cool. yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to put it into practice. I, 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 you know, I'm not a spiritual director yet. Yeah. 
you know, we want but to grow in you that. You don't have to be. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I love the concept it. of just helping each other identify the Spirit's prompting and calling in our life. And, right. And that's really what we're called to as Christians, helping right. each other become focused on Jesus and what right. he's doing and how he might totally. be calling us higher in our faith. So I, I love that conversation. And I think it's a really important thing for our faith. I, I'm personally excited to, to practice that. So yeah. yeah. And it is the essence of what we're trying to build here yep. in community, which is the theme of this season. So mm-hmm. speaking about that, what are we getting into today? Yeah. So I, I actually have a few thoughts, but before I want to look at a couple of scriptures, the first one being the, the theme passage, which is first Peter two, as you guys look at this passage, passage, what stands out to you? What what do you notice about um, Peter's calling to the disciples that he's writing to? Mm. Hannah, you want me to go first or you got something? First. Okay, I will. Um, okay. First Peter chapter two, the thing that first hits me, and maybe it's because it's in the center of this paragraph mm-hmm. that I'm reading is you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Mm. Uh, to be a holy priesthood. Yeah. And I think for me, because I'm, I am reading this through the lens of that we're talking this season about community, um, that we are met, we are being built into a group. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he didn't say you're being built to become a holy priest. Yeah. He's yeah. talking to them collectively and like you are built into a holy priesthood. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, there is a dependency we have on each other. There's a sense of unity that we have to uphold. There's a sense that we're listening to each other. We're living our lives obedient to one another, gaining wisdom, uh, obedience and, and learning, growing in friendships. So like we're supposed to be something together. And that is the point of being built up in Christ is to be built together. So I love that. That stuck out to me for yeah. sure. What about yeah. You, I, I a similar vein to Josh, I think the the phrasing of being built, like a, a current kind of continual verb being used mm, and not a past that. tense verb of like you were built, you were built, yeah. you know, like when you're gonna be built and then you're gonna be done, right? Built, like yeah. you were, like your building phase was like studying the Bible or kind of your intro into discipleship. That being built is kind of currently happening, that we are still currently being built into something and we haven't arrived at this like spiritual house yet, you know, um, that there's still active work taking place. Okay. So to summarize y'all's thoughts, it's, it's individual stones that are being built into a collective house and it's an ongoing construction, right? For a lack of a better word, it's not, it's not a complete product yet, but it's progressive. It's ongoing. Right. So yeah, love that. Okay. Well, let's read another passage here. Um, Hannah, can you read first Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 through 14? Yes. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay. What do you guys see here? Many parts. Um... Uh, there's a there needs to be a, a cohesive nature to the community of Christ. Um, it's it's not you know like the old nursery song like uh, uh, head shoulders knees and toes. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like, you didn't have absolutely, that song. I know that song. Yeah, of course you know that song. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you you know when we learn about the body, we we learn about each individual part, but 
you know, that's really simple. You know what I mean? As you grow older, you're like, this is just my body. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like you don't view it as like, oh, I'm a, I have two knees and two shoulders and that's my body. You know, it's like, yeah. no, you just you have your body. And I think mm-hmm. that there's an aspect of growing the community uh, from the scripture that we're supposed to glean is like, man, we are, we are supposed to look like we're not, not look like each other, but they're supposed to be there's supposed to be this cohesive nature to all of us that, mm. that, you know, one part ends and you can't quite tell where the other one begins because we're so intermeshed. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we really begin to celebrate one another in that sense. Mm. Maybe I'm reading it the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, I love that. I think that's spot on. Yeah. To me, I think the word one just jumps out. Um, one body, one spirit. Um, yeah. The, not one part, but you know, like any, anyways, sorry. I just feel like the word one was really emphasized to me in this passage. Um, and to me, one in this context is like equal to unity, you know, like oneness, yeah. um, that like when scriptures talk about marriage, the two becoming one, you know, like mm. that there's just kind of this, this unity and connection that we are supposed to have as God's people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because it, it begs the question, how do we define one? Right. right. Is the one the individual or is the one the mm. collective community? That, okay. That's really powerful. Okay. Yeah. Last passage. And then I'll share some thoughts here. Romans chapter 12, verses three through five. Josh, can you read that one? Sure. Uh, Romans 12, verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, key word or phrase that stands out to you guys. Well, we did start, this was, we read this uh, ah, passage at the beginning of the you, season. You remember. Of course, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember we were we camped out on that word belong because mm-hmm. yeah. I had a hard time with it and <laughs> Hannah really liked it and <laughs> and and I I think that there is uh, after now we're a few episodes in my view and perception of that word belong to one another has definitely changed um, but that definitely stuck out to me that there's a sense of like you if you're committed to building something together as a group as a community as a family. You're you're very much in tune with the idea that it is it is not only right for me to belong to someone, mm-hmm. but it is necessary mm. for it to cohesively work. Yeah, I love that. Um, today, verse four jumps out to me where it talks about that there's many members, but the members don't all have the same function. Mm. Um, that as much as we're aiming for unity. The goal is not ever uniformity, that Mm, we will not all be the same Christian, like replicated in different bodies, you know, like um, in different beings like Josh and Hannah and Tacho, their spiritual thoughts, our our journeys are different, Mm -hmm. but we all do come together to form one. Yep. Absolutely. So I really love these passages because it challenges my individualistic mindset when approaching the scriptures. Oftentimes when I see the word you in the Bible, I'm thinking about me personally, as opposed to you all or y'all, because we're in Texas, as a community. And so much of the scriptures 
are written in a collectivist culture to a collectivist culture. The, the Bible in nature is very Eastern, and it was in the first century. So we have two things working against us, a different type of culture and a totally different time period. So all of that influences the way that we read the scriptures. We course, often think yeah. me instead of we. We often think now instead of then, which of course time and culture is always going to be shifting, but God's word can speak to us in any culture, in, in any time frame. But the thing that we're really trying to get at today is how can we glean some insight from Eastern societies that tend to be more collectivist in nature rather than individualistic or hyper-individualistic, as some have put it. And that's really the goal. We're going to have Michael Burns on. He's a, he's an incredible teacher and scholar, and he's just going to take us down a couple of rabbit holes as to how we can glean some really significant lessons and insights from Eastern culture and how to apply that in our spiritual formation as it pertains to our community. Mm. Love it. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, to talking about this. To me, this is, this is such a key and crucial mm-hmm. aspect. The Bible was written for all nations for millennia to come. Mm-hmm. However, it's written at the time to an Eastern audience. And Mm -hmm. I think for many of our listeners, this will be a brand new concept to unpack because we really do have to read each verse and exegesis it in a way that we understand the hermeneutics of what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? So exegesis meaning like, why was this written and who was it written to? And then Mm -hmm. the hermeneutics of what does this mean for our theology? Uh And so it it really influences everything. I mean, so, and if we're building community based on the scriptures we're reading, we have to be really careful because we could be building an American style gospel community, Mm -hmm. which is not at all what it's meant to be. There's aspects of it that might be right, but we can't inherently be right. And our view of Christianity is so informed by Mm post-colonialism. I mean, everything it's, it's so, it's just so different because of all that. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really important for us to, before we even get going on laying the groundwork here, we need to establish, man, okay, what was this meant to be like in the first place? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a really great interview. I'm excited for this. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Well, let's invite Michael Burns on. Awesome. Well, we are excited to invite Michael Burns, Dr. Michael Burns, onto the podcast today. However, we're doing something a little different. Michael did refrain from sending us a bio, and so we're going to cut that and just going to ask Michael right off the bat, why is it that you didn't send us a bio? (laughs) Well, that's a good question, John. First of all, I would have to say I'm I'm mildly, not even mildly, I'm majorly oppositionally <laughs> defiant. So I just don't like to do things that everybody else does. But, you know, so here's the thing. In a serious way, I never look down on anybody else who does bios and, you know, cares about those things. That's great. So this answer is just for me. Um, for me, I don't like to care about those things. I don't. I, I don't like to have, like, because I think they can, in the worst case scenarios, reinforce hierarchy. The idea that some people, are, you know, have a greater spiritual knowledge or a greater spiritual authority because they've gone to a school or studied more or whatever. So I get that there's a value in those things to, you know, demonstrate that, hey, somebody does, they have put in the work. They have a certain amount of expertise and vetting 
But I guess for me, I'm always a little sensitive about that whole uh, hierarchy, clergy, lady thing. So uh, I don't care about that stuff. So I just, you know, it's like, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I love Jesus the same as you do. And I just have the, the I guess, a slightly God-given ability to sit in one place and read for a long time and not be bored by it. And that's about the only, that's about the only skill I really have. Okay, well then, let me ask you this then. What is something in your academic career that you are proud of that you have completed or finished or studied? And then what is one thing in your personal life that you're very excited about that has either you've done or finished or maybe something about your family? Um, you're sneaky, Josh. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my proudest academic achievement would be uh, getting an A minus in geography. In oh grade. my gosh! <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so you're now Doctor Michael Burns, and your proudest moment goes all the way back to ninth grade. You don't know how hard that class was to get an A. Yeah. Though. Okay. See, that was, right. It was. Uh, it was very, very difficult. No, I did. Um, you know, I did just finish uh, a thesis uh, where I examined. Paul's, uh, I won't give you the long, boring title, but it was basically the way Paul dealt with social superiority and class struggle in first century uh, Corinth, and then took the principles from that and applied that to the 21st century church model and what it would look like if we actually mimicked Paul's solution to the idea of superiority and inferiority uh, based on, you know, we, we have different versions, but same type of principles. And so I just finished that, which was cool. I had fun with that. Uh, I actually hate aspects of doing a thesis, which is all the like technical writing and details and sure. all that that you have to right. do. But, uh, so I'm, I'm glad to have finished that on a, on a personal basis. Like, good night. I mean, I'm just proud of my whole family. First of all, I'm shocked by the very fact that I ever found someone who would marry me. And then to, <laughs> to stay that way for 25 years, when we got married, I wasn't a Christian. And I remember going in thinking, if I get seven years out of this, that's a pretty good run. You know, that's, oh my that's a good run. And so, um, and, and we fully admit that my wife and I, my priest and I, uh, that we would be absolutely divorced if it wasn't for Jesus and right. his kingdom and his way of living. And so now they have two grown sons who are doing amazing things. And our oldest son lives in Minneapolis. Our youngest son is in college playing basketball in, in Minnesota as well. So wow. the, the, just the, my family's awesome and they're doing really well. And uh, yeah. Well, that's amazing. So I'm holding in my hand all things to all people. Uh, and this is obviously before you free, re received your PhD because it just has your name, right? So there's no defining little letters here, <laughs> which I'm sure you're very proud of. And so now if you released a book, would you, would you come out with a book as Dr. Michael Burns or would it just be Michael Burns? 100% just Michael Burns. Okay. Mm. Now, and this is a white book. Maybe we can just make it doctor in white font. 
And then, if, if and I then, ever have a book and you see doctrine, you know that I lost a long and bloody war. <laughs> or it was written bloody. posthumously. You know, it's 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 a biography. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. And they didn't know you very well. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, talk to us about real quick. Uh, I'd love to know. So, all things to all people. I'm holding this book in my hand. How many books have you written? Oh, um, thirteen in total. Wow. wow. 13. Yeah. What is what is your personal favorite book that you wrote? Ooh, that's a good question. So it probably, you know, I, I would say definitely the books that most people know of that I'm most well known for, like Crossing Line, All Things to All People, and Escaping the Beast. I love all of those. I'm proud of them. I worked hard on them. But I would say my favorite is actually from a series I did when I was still in Minneapolis called the core series of books. And there's a, a book on the, uh, the kingdom of God, it's actually volume six on the kingdom of God. That's probably my favorite mm. because I've, I've said, I've told people, you know, they think that I've been writing books about race, culture, and politics, but I've actually been writing books about the kingdom of God disguised as books about race, culture, and politics. Ah, there we go. Man, okay, cool. So, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely really appreciated your works and your book. I haven't, I haven't read all 13. I apologize. We're, we're having you on here, but I'm not an expert in all the things Dr. Michael Burns. But uh, I, I am um, curious a little bit more about your personal life real quick before we dive into to what we're talking about today. Uh, what is one hobby that you really enjoy outside of all of the academic, the teaching work you're doing for the church? What's something you really enjoy? When I say my hobby is reading, and they tell me that's that's not a hobby. <laughs> that so, could be a hobby. I thank you, Hannah. I, I feel like it is. <laughs> Are so you only reading one spiritual t- yeah, things? Yeah, that's my question. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, well, I I don't like fiction. I it just it seems like a waste of time to me. So does but your mind no, ever turn off, like from the work? No, at it, hand? Does. it does. I, and I was going to say, I, I actually love to work out, and I work out about two hours every morning. Um, I get up pretty early and do that, and that's my time to just shut it down and just focus on what I'm doing and sweat and you know all of that, and I don't think about much so that that's probably my actual hobby is just working out so you don't listen to like a podcast or music while you're working out or whatever like you know if, if i'm working out alone i have a, a friend a, a partner he's actually an evangelist here in dallas and we we lift together um like three or four days a week and then the other days i i will listen to uh, I have three podcasts that I've listened to pretty religiously and still listen to one of those three. Um, but otherwise, if we're working out together, we just hang and laugh and have a good time. Nice. And those three podcasts, are they wrestling with face season one, two, and three? Is that is that uh, what you... Probably. <laughs> you know, yeah. Wrestling with face is going to be my fourth favorite. I, I, no, I, my I fourth favorite. I mean, I'm ashamed to admit that I didn't know about it until uh, today. Well, we're uh, small potatoes. Obviously, so. when you guys asked me to be on, I knew you had a podcast, but I didn't know the name of it. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely start listening. I just I just subscribed to it while we were talking earlier. Oh, great. 
So I'll make sure to edit that out, and, and I can edit to where you say I really love your podcast, and and it's, yeah, my, it's my exactly. first. I love your podcast. It's yeah, there amazing. we go. Okay, no, I'm kidding. Uh, well, Michael, we're really happy to have you on today, and today we're at a point in our season. So we've been discussing spiritual formation in community, building a Christ-centered community. And the word we've been centering on is koinonia. So um, I'll toss this over to Tatcha real quick. But today, Tatcha, what, why do we have Michael on today? And what are, what are some of the stuff we're going to be talking about? Yeah, we have Dr. Michael Burns on today to bring his expertise on all things. Just driving uh, that knife in, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, you're such a bully. <laughs> you guys are bullies. <laughs> no, this is great. Well, Michael, first of all, thanks so much for being on. I mean, gosh, just your work, the way you teach, it's always been a, a massive influence and yeah. inspiration for myself and for so many others. For so it's sure. just, a, it's a privilege to, to have you on. Um, no, I, I think I've always really respected the way that you've studied the scriptures and the way that that's come out in your teaching. And when we were figuring out kind of our, our outline for the series, we came across the topic of Eastern versus Western um, community and the roles that that both of those communities can play in our 21st century culture, um, community and church and what that might look like. We immediately thought of you. We were like, Michael Burns would be perfect to, to teach on, on this topic. So what we're hoping to get into today is, uh, you know, it's, it's a 45 minute conversation. So that it's impossible to cover every little minutia detail of Eastern and Western culture. What we're hoping to do is get a little bit of an overview of Eastern culture, Western culture. Obviously, we live in a Western culture, but how we might be able to apply biblical concepts that are very Eastern in nature to our 21st century culture. Yeah, so I guess my first question would be leading into that would be, what what is what does that mean, Eastern culture, and what you know for someone who's listening to that for the first time, uh, is there a different? What are the big differences, I guess, between Eastern and Western culture? Yeah, so it, it's interesting because you have we're talking two different time periods, right? We have our modern time period, and we have the ancient time period of the Bible. And yet, you, you have what's dominating in the New Testament era, you have the Eastern culture is more dominant, although you do see the genesis, perhaps, of the Western culture starting to take place with Greco-Roman philosophy. Mm. And so the, the New Testament is beginning to interact with that worldview. And it's beginning to have an influence. And today now, the, the, the Western worldview and culture is more dominant in influence, but certainly not numbers. The Eastern uh, culture is still, I think, more dominant if you're looking at numbers of people and, and nations around the world. But the, the Western culture, it's it's a term, it's not my term, I'm not coining it, but it's the soft colonialism of Western media and things of that nature. You know, everybody's seen American movies and songs yeah. and TV and, and all of that. But 
in, in general, and, and I always want to say when we're speaking of culture, we're talking in general, because as soon as you say something's true about culture, there's always an exception. There's, yep. there's always, you know, we're, we're always talking about sort of spectrum here rather than hard and fast categories. But in general, I would say the Eastern culture, to, to simplify it, tends to focus more. The, the point of culture is to build up the community as a group. The identity is rooted in the group. The benefits are aimed at the, at the collective. And that... That colors everything that you do. Where in Western culture, it is more on the individual. Identity is rooted in the individual, what the individual does. The culture is aimed at, at benefiting the individual, and the individual takes precedent over the group. Where in Eastern-type cultures, the group takes precedent over the individual. And, and I would say that's it's really hard. It's one of those things that's easy to apprehend to a certain degree but not fully comprehend if you haven't lived in it you're not going to be able to fully grasp it and just by way of quick example it's not a perfect analogy but we just had a friend stay with us for several weeks from africa and he's here during march madness which <laughs> you know ncaa basketball in the burns household college basketball is king. It's, it's a big deal and yeah. so we watched it, you know, uh, a lot. And the thing that threw him off was he could not comprehend the level of attention given to what he called university sport. He, he was like, I don't get that. There's no equal to that in Africa. And so I would explain to him about scholarships and how important that is and recruiting and he's, and then that that opened up a whole nother confusion for him. Like, why are scholarships such a big deal? Well, because university is so expensive here, and that was different for him. And so he just couldn't really grasp the whole why everybody was so excited about this, why it was such a big deal. He just did not get the culture. And I think it's the same way when we're from one of these cultures or predominantly it's very difficult to actually enter into the other one and fully grasp why they do what they do and what their motivations are and what they're aiming at and that sort of thing. Wow. So, and the reason I guess that it's so important for us to understand this was that you're saying that the Bible itself was written to an Eastern culture and not to a Western culture. There you go. So it's, yeah. it's not the American Bible. <laughs> No, it's it's not it's not written to a Western culture. It's not written for a Western culture. But I will say it's not written in denunciation of a Western culture either. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's maybe important to understand because when we talk about wanting to understand Eastern culture, I think we want to do so because we want to enter the world of the Bible and understand. Right. You know, right. if if you're going to another country and they speak only one language, you want to learn a little bit of that language if you're going to be able to operate right. in that country. And so we want to understand what was going on because otherwise we will misread what's going on. We'll read it through our own lenses. But at no point, and, and this is where I think this becomes key, is sometimes people that get really into the Eastern culture of the Bible and the ancient Near East and all of that, 
there to almost speak as though Western culture is, you know, evil and it's automatically bad. And, and that right. the point is for us to become Easterners or collectivists rather than individualists. And I don't think that's the point. I think the point is to understand it and do honor to the text and, and to the time that it was written uh, while being challenged by that. And there's some ways that we absolutely should be challenged and I think need to change. But at, at no point do I want to give the impression that the Bible is asserting that an Eastern collectivist culture is absolutely superior mm. in every way to a Western individualist culture. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Michael, I am curious then about um, how do we interpret passages like that? I mean, the first thing coming to my mind is like Acts 2 when they're meeting together every day. And, you know, we, we read that passage so frequently. How do we interpret passages like that and kind of apply them to a modern day context? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and it's it's actually probably more complex than we might even at first think, because one of the things about culture is that it feels normal to us because we're we're just raised up in our culture. Culture is simply the way of life that a group of people all adhere to, and it's the unspoken things. It's you know we do things and we all sure. just kind of understand it. And, and so that be, becomes normal, and then normal quickly becomes right. It's the right way mm. to do it, you know? Yeah. And so, for instance, my wife grew up in a very collectivist culture. That was more of her influence, where I grew up very individualist. And so for her, she doesn't feel like family if somebody doesn't have the freedom to just stop by our house unannounced. If you don't just stop by the okay. house unannounced, she, she doesn't. It's hard for her to view you as like family, you know, because okay. that's what that's what groups sure. do. Yeah. Whereas when I'm raised up, like that's like a mortal sin. You don't just come <laughs> over, come over unannounced. Like, sure. yeah. the, you know, the pillows on the couch might not be straight, and might have some shoes laying around, and. I'm have food to offer you, and and so it's actually considered an, an act of rudeness. Totally. And so, yeah. but but I will say one of the things, and this is one of the things that I, I do think we have to learn, and where our uh, see our culture is not just individualist. American 21st century culture is hyper individualist, mm -hmm. so it's it's gone way beyond. And I do think there's a corrective that the, the Bible offers and we tend to think of the goal of becoming a christian is to have individually saved people but that's not the mentality that we see in the new testament the new testament is mm -hmm. to call individuals to become part of the saved people that you are becoming part of this group and that the the thrust of christianity then in the new testament is not on individual spiritual behavior although that's important but the emphasis is on being a community of people together and gathering together and when you understand that then the the body coming together and that's the word that they used for for church it didn't mean building it didn't mean time of meeting it didn't mean the concert starts at 10 
I mean, a group of people sharing life together, living by the values of the kingdom. And so that suddenly means, so if I have a group of Christians that gather in my house on a Wednesday evening to have some pizza and talk about a scripture, that's as much being the church as the formal worship gathering on Sunday morning. And it is, but our individualist mind starts to tell us like, no, the this meeting matters, my personal quiet times matter more. And so we start to, you know, pick and choose like, well, as long as I go to Sunday, check, I go to church, and on my quiet times, check, uh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So therefore, I'm a Christian, even though I have no commitment to the community, no loyalty, no, you know, sharing of life together. And that's the emphasis in the New Testament is become a people who share their life together. So I'd like to kind of camp out on that for a bit. It seems like what what we're getting off here as as we start to dive into this subject of Eastern and Western culture, and um, and I'm sure if, if someone's listening to this for the first time and they've never really understood the idea that the Bible was written to an Eastern culture, that can be quite a jarring thing to kind of comprehend. Like you said, like that is that's a really big subject. I mean, I remember when I first started trying like learning about that, it completely shaped the way that I was understanding like the the Old Testament in many ways, and then bringing that understanding into a New Testament was was just even more how we apply that to our lives. So, but for me, I think I want to camp out on that idea of individualist versus collectivism Mm -hmm. and how that applies to our spiritual formation, you know, because we are in, like you said, in a hyper individualistic society. So when I think of spiritual formation, I think, great, I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to be self-help. I'm going to get closer to God, my God, my relationship with God. So are you offering a counter argument that this, it's really not even a, like about that at all. It's, 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 it's mainly about this communal collectivism of coming into spiritual formation as a community. Well, I think, I think there's elements of both. And I think it would be a mistake to, you know, make them mutually exclusive and say it's, it's all about one or the other. Okay. And I, I think for, for example, in, in Ephesians, you have Paul really arguing beautifully about unity throughout that letter. And he's telling them, hey, the powers and authorities are attacking the community. And for Paul, the powers and authorities were that larger systemic cultural force that caused division amongst people. Mm. And and that's what he means when he says, you know, the battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and authorities. It's not against individual people, but it's it's the powers and authorities that are dividing us. And so he talks in there about coming together as one people, one community, Jew and Gentile. God's creating one new humanity out of the two. But there's still a balance there because as he gets to chapter four, he says, I urge each one of you to live a life worthy of your calling. You know, where most of the time, for instance, in the New Testament, that it says the word you, it's a plural, you all. He's writing to the church as a collective. But there is a balance there. So he's, he's calling them to a corporate life, but then he says each one of you has certain responsibilities within that. But I think to maybe illustrate the uh, uh, an answer to your question directly, Josh, 
I think of Philippians uh, 2, for example, really well-known passage, right? Where Paul says, in, in essence, hey, if you value being in Christ at all, then make my joy complete. And he calls them to this, this way of living. Now, here's the thing. If I read that with individualist glasses on, this passage becomes very different. It becomes about what I have to do. It, it, it because, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition, being conceit and humility values others above yourself. And so that becomes, okay, I've got to be more patient. I've got to, you know, value others. I've got to do this and that. And then as I continue reading, he says, do this because this is the example Jesus set, and this is the way Jesus lived. But then in verse 12, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The individualist in me gets kind of creeped out by that passage. Like, yeah. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling? Like, does that mean it's not sure? And then right. that's going to spiral me down towards, you know, all the election and all these other sorts of things. But the way a... a collectivist community is going to read that is very different. They're going to read this and say, okay, he's teaching us back up in the beginning how a community should be ordered. It's not just individual directions to do nothing out of selfish ambition. It's how do we form a community that's not centered in selfish ambition? Now we all have to figure that out together. We have to do that as a group. There's, there's no concept of Hey, Josh, you go figure out what that means for you and how you're going to succeed best spiritually. And Tacho, you go figure it out for you. And Hannah, you go figure it out for you. But imagine how much more challenging it is the three of you get together and figure out what that's going to look like. Now, there'll be some right. personal action responsibility in that. But now you're forming a community whose values don't support selfish ambition. And so now you've got to examine community life. You've got to look at the things that you do and and how do how do they feed in? And that's going to be different in, in each culture, you know. Or, and sometimes I think if we looked at some of the things that we do uh, in worship gatherings, they might be forming us differently than what, how we would want to be formed, if that makes sense, you yeah. know. Um, we might sometimes unwittingly be feeding into our individualist celebrity culture than we are a community equality type of culture. But if I'm reading that then as a collectivist and I continue down and I get to verse 12, I realize that it says, it, what it's saying in essence is you all continue to work out Y'all's salvation. We don't. We don't have that word. You know, I grew up up north. We don't have the word y'all and y'all, but it's it's a pretty good one when you read the yeah. Bible to keep in the back of your mind. And so he's saying, work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling. What's he saying there? He's not talking about salvation like we think of it of of going to heaven one day or you know or being part of the resurrection or whatever. He's saying this life in Christ, this is the evidence of your salvation. This is this is the evidence that you have been moved to another realm. Now work it out. Live it out with one another. Figure out what it means. It's not questioning whether I'm in Christ or not, or whether you know I'm a Christian or not. 
it's teaching me to be part of a community that collectively works out work works out its values and so that, that that's very interesting to me if we start looking throughout scripture in that way we see um we see scripture start to mean something a little bit different for the original audience and then i think when we can see that then, then we can take it more for us. And this is the last thing I'll say on this question here is one of the realities of culture is it fills in gaps, right? Our, our brains do that. If you've ever studied the brain, our brain will fill in gaps where it thinks something should be. Have you ever seen one of those examples where like all the words are kind of spelled wrong, but yeah. the first and last letter yeah. of each word is right? And your brain just fills it in and it barely notices it. Culture is the same way. When there's gaps, our culture just sort of fills in. And we assume our culture to be what's being addressed there, or we filter it through our culture. That's the right. danger of reading scripture without at least paying some attention to this. Right. Is, you know, for example, we'll read a story about Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem and we immediately picture a man and a woman by themselves and a donkey on a, on a road riding on. And it's like, they didn't travel that way in the first century. They, they, they traveled in caravans. There's, there's no way you would have taken a pregnant woman by yourself. You know, that's why later when Jesus is older, they lose them and they don't know who has them because they're in a big caravan. They right. think he's with the men or with the women. And so, and that's just an example of how we sort of fill in the blank with our culture. We've got to be really careful to not do that because we miss so much of the beauty of what scripture is calling us to. Right. That's that's really insightful, and I appreciate you taking the time to explain that they're not mutually exclusive, right? Like there's a time and place to focus on the individual self and our own formation, but certainly we miss out so much on what the scriptures call us to when we don't have the proper collectivist mindset. Uh, I want to go back to what you said about Philippians 2, because I'm going to be entirely honest. I, I've never looked at that passage that way. I've always thought of that scripture very individually. Um, I need to really make sure that I continue to be saved, quote unquote, and not get offline and lose my salvation. And that's that's just obviously not what he was going for. And, and I love that you explained... This is a corporate, let's make sure that you guys continue to be sanctified and continue to live out your life in Christ together. And that sounds really nice in theory, right? Figuring out, okay, what does this look like for a salvation in community? Continue to work this out. Practically speaking, like bring that home for us. So what do you think that might look like in a community where we where we start to recognize, okay, maybe we have been a little bit too much more, too much focused on the individual. We haven't been creating a community that's collectivist. How do we practice practically not only identify the problem, but create some helpful solutions to that problem? Yeah. So uh, that's a great question, but let me say just really, really quick before I answer that, 
Okay. That the, there are extremes in the collectivist culture too, right? You sure. can go too far yeah. with that work. The individual doesn't matter, and you start to you start to see some of that in scripture where Paul started correcting this idea of like, well, if the community's all doing it, then it doesn't matter what I personally do because I'm I'm part mm. of that community. So yep. that's one of the errors of collectivism. But let me let me drill down on that. What does it look like practically? That is really the the question that most of Paul's letters are answering. He's writing communities and saying, what does this look like? Because they're not just bringing together a collection of people. They're bringing together all cultures, all, you know, different nations, different people. And that's, that's so much harder. It would be, it would be much easier for me to create a church of, you know, middle-aged white guys that grew up in Wisconsin (laughs) because, We speak the same language. And yeah, I mean, we we have so much in common. But when you start getting different people, different backgrounds, it it gets harder. And then you start to bring in cultural values and things. So, for example, in in 1 Corinthians, Paul starts out his letters and he says, let there be no divisions among you. That word there is bigger than just let there not be disagreements among you or don't have arguments among you. That word actually meant like status hierarchies wow. that were common in the culture. That they had social classes. You know, the Roman Greco-Roman culture was was rooted in that. There was there was the elites, non-elites, and they had a bunch of different words for them. And Paul uses them throughout the letter of First Corinthians. It was. The wise, the the noble, the honorable, you, you know, on and on. And conversely, uh, the strong, and conversely, you have the weak, the foolish, the, you know, the lower classes, the non-elites, the non-nobles. So he says you can't have those kind of divisions among you from from the culture. What was that, Hannah? I'm understanding why you hate bios now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly why I hate bios, right? So he says, let there be no doctors among you. I mean, let there be no divisions <laughs> among you. Um, but and, you can have masters. Goes, you yes. Can have masters. The, wow, that's a whole problem in itself too but oh my uh, god funny. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to devote an entire season to to the the, uh, the cultural norms that we need to break down that michael can help us with so there you go dr michael well, Burns. and, and <laughs> that's what he does legit that's what he's doing in first corinthians first four chapters um they were copying the culture around them by exalting some teachers over another and gaining status and position in the community based on what teacher they followed in value. And Paul gets down to that and he says that's worldly wisdom. That's not that's not the way God orders community. Then in chapter five, he points out that there was evidently a young man sleeping with his mother-in-law, which is something that was against Roman criminal law. Unless you were of the elite class. If you were elite, then it would be by culture overlooked because for the culturally superior, all things were, you know, they could do all things. They had the right to do all things. Um, and so they were allowed to do that. So what Paul is saying is what they're boasting about in chapter 5 is the status of this young man. And they're overlooking his sin. And boasting was what you did to establish status. 
And so he's saying, you're, you're playing the status game in the church. Chapter six, he says, don't take one another to court, basically. Like, why are you doing that? Roman courts were not built on around justice. They were built around preserving social status privilege. And so when, when Christians of higher status would take lower status Christians to court, and we know that's the case because the non-elites could not take elites to court, He's saying you're subjecting them to unjust social systems. And he goes on and on and gives more and more examples throughout the coming chapters. And then in chapter 11, he says, now you're you're even doing it with the Lord's Supper. You, you're, you're eating it according to social divisions. You have the, the elites who don't have to work and have all kinds of leisure time and they're rich. They're coming early. They're engorging themselves. The hardworking people who work late or who are enslaved, they come later. They don't have much food. They're eating out in the courtyard while the the elite folks are eating in the triclinium because that's just what culture did. And they wouldn't have even thought about it, right? And so that's where in chapter 11 he says, and I think this is really practical, he says, consider all of this, whether you are being the body of Christ as you're being the body. The communion is about declaring that we're one body and you're splitting up based on you're letting the sin of the world come in and divide you. And they would have said, oh, no, we're status blind. We're not doing this on purpose. But they weren't thinking about it. And that's what leads in chapter 11. Paul says, examine yourselves when you take the Lord's Supper. There's another example. The individualists in us go, that means i got to look and see how I'm doing. Have I sinned this week? I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, Mm -hmm. right? But that's not what Paul's talking about. And so if we don't understand that Paul is thinking in this community collective term, we will miss that directive from Scripture that he's saying, look at your community. Are you influenced by the culture around you? Do you allow some of these past sins and divisions and oppressions and things like that to exist. And it's easy to look at First Corinthians and go, how do they miss all that? How do they not see it? And it's because we're blind to our own cultural norms, right? In the same way, there's a simple example. Somebody from Corinth, if they could get in a time machine and come to our, you know, neck of the woods here in the United States, 21st century, that was one of the things that would strike out to them, stand out to them is like, why are all your big cities separated out by skin color? Why do why do people of skin colors live in pockets together? Like I I, I don't understand that. We would have to explain to them because it's not uh, ethnicity. They had ethnic ghettos and stuff, but not by skin color. That would be confusing to them. And then they'd say, and then if your church is organized geographically, that then is reflected in the church. If you split up into geographic regions, you might have a region of predominantly one group or the other. And Paul would say, look, I know you didn't do that, but you have to examine that. Are you being different than the world? Are you thinking about those things? Are there inequities that come out from the world and are they being changed in in the world? And so that's, I think, one of the big things is a, a community that is focused on community will just automatically have the justice of God, not the world's version of justice, but the justice of God will be at the forefront because we're creating an image-bearing community where we don't have those steps and levels and hierarchies and 
and things that divide us, we are coming together as as one people that are all equal in Christ. Michael, you've given us so much so far to stop Absolutely. and we could camp out for episodes. Um, <laughs> you said in your book, All Things to All People, uh, in chapter 25, you said similarly churches are to, if, if churches are to embrace being all things to all people, it will call them beyond just changing a thing or two and calling it a day. It will involve a radical shift in thinking for many churches. They will be called by this new way of thinking to be willing to change constantly and consistently. They will accept that fear and trepidation will be part of the process of change, and they will stay committed to those what's because they remain later laser-focused on the why. And when you write this, I know that this book isn't necessarily about spiritual formation and community, but that, that paragraph really speaks to me about mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about. So when I hear all this, my knee-jerk reaction is to go, oh, great. Well, we've got it all wrong. We, You know what I mean? I, I'm like what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Guys, let's get rid of everything we're doing. We are the Roman Empire in the new day. Post, you know, colonialism <laughs> has completely screwed up Christianity. We've, we we need to start it all over. Let's all, you know, let's let's revert to Eastern um, the way of life. And, and, and I know that that is not the godly response. Um, but how do we practically go about, what are some ways that if I'm a member of our ministry and I'm hearing this and I, and, um, maybe we can speak to two things. How does this, how, how can I then go forward from here, reading the scriptures and understanding that what I'm taking in, I am going to be taking it through an individualistic lens, a hyper individualistic lens. And how can I go about that metanoia, which you talk about in chapter 25 of all of us continually changing that. And then also two, how do you think that our, like, if you were to lead us through this, what are some big changes that you would make um, as we go forward to, you know, become more about what the community was talking about in the Bible. I'm not talking about getting rid of Western culture, but how do we as individuals change our view? And then how do we as a community continue to, you know, like what would you actually practice? I mean, you know, our church, you know, the things that we do well, the things that we need to grow in. So what are some big things that you feel like, yeah, I think that this would affect this or that. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a huge question. I hope you have four or five hours for me to answer all that. (laughs) Let's do it. Yes, we do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think, and, and you said this, the, the response is not to let's go burn it all down. That, yeah, but I that, feel much more comfortable like that. Just burn it all yeah. down and, no, and start again. It seems easier in some ways, you know, like we've been doing yeah. it all wrong, let's, let's crash and burn it. That, I don't think that's careful or wise either. And, and part of the reason is, uh, I think of, again, I'm just going to use this analogy in just a very limited way, but I, I think of the United States has had trouble in, in recent decades with thinking we're going to spread democracy to every corner of the world, and we're going to go into places, use our military, and then kind of implement a democracy. And what we've seen is that's been an abject failure in most places. 
And the reason is, is we are trying to institute a form of government that is built on a long-standing culture that has taken hundreds of years to develop that other countries simply don't have the same culture. And so, you know, democracy is not a one-size-fits-all, but our version of democracy does sort of rely on our culture, and countries without that same culture have found it impossible to uphold that type of democracy. And so, again, not a perfect analogy, but I think it just gets us thinking in the in the right direction. And so we're not going to become a first-century church overnight. I think that's that's naive. This is this is a lifelong journey that we have to go in steps. And and if you if you try to change too much of culture at once, people literally go into culture shock and they give up, right? Like you, and yet there is such a thing as going too slow as well. Yeah. So I, I think it starts with a position of humility and and starting to say, man, my culture, the way I understand things, the way I prefer things, the way I do things, the way I interpret things is a way, but not the way. And if I can just start there, that's a pretty good start because now I'm, I'm open to other things and exploring and it becomes it can become a great adventure rather than like this you know painful process then i think for us in our day and time is is everything we do is really we want to have tight-knit churches and groups but most of our spiritual formation is aimed at the individual and so I think it's it's to take a step back and say, how do we form communities? What would that mean when we're studying the Bible with people? If we were more teaching them that they're becoming part of a, a saved people that are doing life together under the king rather than we're trying to individually convert you. Yes, we want to convert you, but we want to convert you into the body of Christ there, uh, you know, Paul, first Corinthians 12, were baptized into one body. And what does that mean? Um, you know, are, are lessons aimed at forming community? Are they aimed at how we live out this life together? Right. Could I ask a question about that? Yeah. I've, I've heard this statement thrown out and, and I can hear and empathize with the with the sentiment, but I'm curious to get your take on it. The phrase is something along the lines of, we want to convert people to Jesus and not the church. And obviously there's a lot of good to that. It's, it's great hearted. How do you balance, yes, we're converting to Jesus, but part of converting to Jesus is we're bringing in, we're bringing them into Jesus's community. How do you keep a healthy yeah. balance of those two? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I don't think those things are are related necessarily. And what I mean by that is, I agree with that. We do want to bring people to Jesus, but to to be part of a community where Jesus is the center. And it's very easy to have a community where the church becomes the center. Wow. And that's harder to do. You know, it's it's easy to love the church 
and have that become my identity. You know, and, and you see that when people get really like rocked by what's going on in their church or really rocked by what a leader does or if a leader fails or if a church blows it or whatever. And that's usually a sign that they have wrapped up their identity, their spiritual identity. It's formed in their church, in their group and not in Christ. If, if the center is Christ and, and that is my identity, then I know that it has called me to be part of this people and to love these people. But if you think about how the New Testament talks about these other people, it doesn't say, hey, build your faith on these leaders. You can trust that they are <laughs> going to do it right every time. Yeah. It says things like bear with one another, forgive one another, uh, you know, be, be long-suffering, have patience with it, all these sorts of things. Why? Because you're going to blow it. They're going <laughs> to blow it. We're going to yeah. hurt each other. We're going to sin. And and our our the fact that Christ is the center is displayed in our loyalty to one another. Jesus says mm-hmm. that. You know, John says that in First John 4. Basically, if you, if you say you love Christ but hate your brother, you're a liar. It's wow. not how it works. And so Jesus, throughout his life and ministry, makes it clear that how we treat one another is how we treat him. Think of, think of you know, Matthew 25, how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. What you don't do for them, you don't do for me. When, when he confronts Saul, who's been persecuting the church, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so how we treat God's people is how we treat God. Anybody who's a parent can understand that, right? If somebody comes up and kicked Eden, you're not <laughs> going to feel great about that person, We're right? Fight. Yeah, we're fighting. Right. Especially if they looked at you and was like, Hannah, I really love you, and I just kicked your daughter. You're going to be <laughs> like, no, you kicked me, homie. Like, let's, yeah. let's rock. Um, and so I think that's the balance is Christ mm. has to be our identity and at the center, but we're a group of people that's always moving towards the center together. Yeah. So wow. one thing that I had a question on was that, so last you know season was all about our personal spiritual formation. And this season we're exploring the fact that, that we, we do that for the betterment of us growing in community. So what I'm hearing you say is that we take that time of meditation and reading and learning about God and praying and growing closer to our God because the ultimate calling is actually to be building a community where that is reflected. And so our, our personal journey with God is, is so that we build a community where Jesus is at the center. So we need that personal journey in order to create a community that is, that is heaven on earth in that sense. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Well, in a sense, and let me just say one thing about that that's interesting is if you look in the New Testament, there's very little sense of, of all, any of those things being individual, right? Um, they didn't have their own personal copies of the scriptures that they were walking around with. They read it in community. 
They recited it in community. They studied it in community. They did it together. They're praying together. They're doing those things in community. Now, that's where they're a collectivist culture. It makes sense for them. So I, I don't think it would be a wise idea for us to go, let's get rid of all individual Bible study and prayer time, and we must do it together to be biblical. I'm not saying that. So in, in that sense, what you're saying is correct. We do those things individually to train us how to be part of a community. But I do think there's some value there in saying, wow, do we read Scripture together? Do we interpret it together as a community? Because that can become problematic when I think I am the final arbiter of what I think Scripture means, when I'm really called to be doing that in community and tension with others and the the give and take that that demands and am I praying in community? And so I do think that's a place where you're exactly right, Josh. We do those things individually uh, to, to build us up to be better partners within the community, but I think there is an aspect where we can start to shift there too and do some of those things more communally speaking. That's one of the things we do with any small group we lead is um, I think people would be disappointed if they came to a small group that I'm a part of and they'd think, oh, wow, this is great. Michael's going to do lessons all the time or something. I never do lessons in our small group. We read right. a scripture or two, and then we discuss, how do we live this out together? What does it look like to follow Jesus in this way? And everybody kind of has an equal voice. There's a time and place for teachers and for lessons, but there's also a time and place for this coming together, sharing a meal, being community, let's interpret scripture together. And I think we maybe don't do enough of that in 21st century. There's my small group lesson for the week. <laughs> it makes Not crap lesson, a whole lot easier. Discussion. 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 Communal yeah. discussion. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think we should just burn it all down and just, you know, we just start off from scratch. Um, burn it with Michael a little Burns. Pyromaniac. Yeah. Burn the world uh, with Michael Burns. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I feel like we do well is we do have food. Every time we get together, we do have food around my island in our kitchen. Good for you. Can I say something on that? (laughs) For 100% real. That is so cool because I think that's a central part of Christianity that we've lost is eating together forms community. And, And I'm not one to say, hey, the communion meal on Sunday has to be a meal. There should be a meal. Maybe it's in midweek or whatever, but a, a meal was a central part of the early right. Christians. I mean, it's what they did. It's the inconvenience of it. It's the community of it. And so I, I, we never meet in small group that we don't have food there. So I, good for you. Keep doing more of that. I think that's really, 
It, it's really We're not doing it all there. wrong, Josh. We got one oh, thing I right. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> no. I get excited about these ideas and then and my my sinful nature just wants to burn it all down so I can start fresh rather than help what we're doing. You know what I mean? So, But Hannah, I think you're going to finish us off with one last question, huh? Yeah. I a little bit feel like everything that I've been reading in the Bible, I've been reading wrong, <laughs> which isn't true, but it just... it um. I think I feel inspired to leave and and make sure that my scripture reading, I'm not defaulting to my culture um, right. in the way that I'm reading scripture and making sure that I'm reading it um, through a lens that is probably more appropriate to the audience it was written in and therefore translate the way that I view community and church through a lens that I have not been looking at it through. So um, thank you so much. I just really appreciate you teaching us today. Wow, thanks, Hannah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think just to add to that, I'm really grateful for this time. And as simple as it might be, I feel like the one Bible study tip that I've just forgotten over the years is the whole you being plural. And obviously, as you've mentioned, there is a time where Paul specifies and says each one of you, and he's talking to the individual there. But I think I can just often miss how collective the the scriptures are in nature. And so that that actually really inspires me. I feel like there's been um there's been some lacking in my faith in that area and just mm. making sure that I explore properly um the communal texts and apply them in community as opposed to just working on myself. So I'm I'm really grateful for that, Michael. So thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Oh, that's great. My pleasure. Yeah. Um I think for me, what I'm walking away with today, uh, at the end of your book, you say that the greatest tool we have at our disposal is to aid in the growth of cultural competency is the simple dining room table. Like you said earlier today, like eating together is powerful. It is an act that physically changes us as we join in and the table can be mighty in its ability to bring people together. Hospitality is not just a good idea. It is a biblical principle and is demanded of God's people. And I think about everything you're talking about today, it's not ever supposed to be something that's just, okay, someone gets up on some type of platform or stage and says to people, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. You know what I mean? And it's so much more of let's all sit at the table and let's really build this community together. I'm not saying we shouldn't get up on stage and preach or teach, but what I'm saying is throughout the years, this needs to be built around a table as we discuss what do these scriptures mean to all of us collectively together? What are yeah. we building collectively together? And how do we bear with one another? How do we see the fruits of the spirit come to life in this community? And I think for me, if I approach my entire walk, like I have my journey with God and then I go to these things that are gatherings because someone will, will check up on me if I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like I go to midweek, I go to Friday, I go to Sunday or Bible talk, whatever, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Cause I, in my third study, while I was studying the Bible, we talked about the kingdom and now I have to come to these things. If that's like my only view of what does it mean to 
build a community. I think it's so encouraging for me to know that I've only, I, I really am misunderstanding the purpose and that it's really about building this beautiful family, a body of Christ that where we disagree, we bear with one another, we're building each other up, we're reading scripture together. Um, and we all have our individual journeys, of course, but it's in the end, it's it's so much more about God's people. And I, and I really appreciate that view. And I feel very much spurred on. I will not be burning anything down for all of our <laughs> listeners, <laughs> but I, I do feel so much more encouraged, like what Paul said. Said, how you said that, Michael, to examine ourselves mm -hmm. and to ask as that of community. myself. Yeah, exactly. As a community. And for me, asking that of myself, where am I aiding into individualistic society where I can gear that pendulum back towards collectivism? How has colonialism, how has America, how is, you know, being white in the, you know, 21st century living in San Antonio, how is that affecting my view of the Bible? And how can I bring this back to community? So I certainly feel spurred on to more deeper reading and self-examination. Awesome. Well, Michael, is there, is there anything you want to leave us with before signing off here as we, as we really strive to put this stuff into practice in our YoPro community? You know, I, I love your age group. <laughs> I really do. And I think you guys there's there's something in you in your group as a collective that i think senses that maybe we've missed some things culturally in our current iteration of christianity and there's a hunger and a longing that you guys have and, and i think that the kingdom in this aspect is really there to meet those longings. And and so I think your age group, when when they really discover, and this is not to say, oh, my, my generation did it all wrong. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. But I think some of that, that longing that your group has is some of the very things that need to be restored in in Christianity. You know, it's a, it's a constant restoration project. And I think your your age group, you're wrestling with some things. And there's a lot of folks your age, you know, feeling like, do we even want to be part of a church? Do we want to be Christians? Right. And I think some of those yeah. questions and 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 hungers and, and instincts are, are for the right reasons. And if they're aimed in the right direction, you guys will build Christian communities like have not been seen for a very long time. So I'm I'm very excited about your generation. I love what you guys are doing on this podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. That, that means a lot. Well, Michael, uh, where, where can we be looking out for, for some, something new from you? Is there, is there a place where can we listen to your podcast? Where, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, you know, we, we do have a podcast. It's called the Icon Podcast. I have to spell that out because, again, I have to be difficult in some way and oppositionally defiant. So it's Icon is spelled E-I-K-O-N. Uh, which is a transliteration in the Greek. So it's the Icon Podcast. You can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And we have a lot of fun on there, learning how to read scripture, being trained readers that reflect Jesus in, in community. Um, I, I do have a 
a website. I, I didn't I didn't make it. I didn't put it up, and I don't maintain it. But it's called michaelbirdsteachingministry.org, um, and you can nice. go there and get any of the the books that I, that I have. And uh, you know, we're working on uh, working on a new book. Uh, coming up in I don't know somewhere between the next one to ten years that'll be out. So uh, we're working on that, and we'll we'll see how that goes. Is this the magnum awesome. opus of your career? One to ten years is a long time. You know, it, it, it's a lot of. It, it will deal with some of what we talked about today, and uh, but go go far beyond that in scope. But it'll really be dealing with how the the powers and authorities can divide us and and what the scriptural answer for that is to be the true kingdom community wow well i'm looking forward to that and i'm sure our listeners yeah, are yeah absolutely. we'll be looking out for that well michael it's been great to have you on today thank you for coming on to the wrestling with faith podcast we appreciate your life and we're mm-hmm. grateful for your example and for your wisdom and your leadership uh and we look forward to seeing all the great things that you'll be doing uh and, and that we can follow suit and learn from so until then um dr michael burns grateful for you coming onto our podcast and we can't wait to see you next time thanks so much All right, man. everybody thank you again for tuning into the wrestling with faith podcast i hope you're as encouraged as i am from today's conversation with michael burns um my encouragement for you today would be to take some time to meditate and think before you jump into your next time reading the scriptures think about how would this pertain to an eastern culture two thousand years ago you're, you're not going to understand it completely and that's not really the point but really think twice and examine before you interpret the scriptures, knowing what was God's true intention in the first place? What what audience was Paul writing to? And how can that influence the way that I operate in community? There may be things that we need to unlearn. There may be things that we need to reinforce. And there may be entirely new concepts that this will open us up to. So let's end out today with a prayer. And I will pray for you and that we build a community that is founded on Christ. Lord, I pray that you continue to work powerfully. We're so grateful for you, God. I pray that we build a church that is worthy of your name. Lord, we are so grateful for your son who died on the cross so that we could be the bride of Christ, building a foundation that is founded on the name of Jesus. I pray that we can reflect that. 2000 years later, I pray that we can still reflect what does it mean to be a community founded in God? Lord, be with us, guide us in this way. This is such a long journey and I pray this really is the long haul. So Lord, we ask for your wisdom and for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for your example, your character, your love and the community you longed to build. 
the Spirit. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Wrestling with Faith is a nonprofit podcast brought to you by the Mission Point YoPro Ministry. We'll see you next time.